In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to another Relevant Words. I'm Kevin King with Pastor Carl Gallops of the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in the Pensacola, Florida area. Carl, I'm excited about today's show because of all the books in the entire Bible, if I had to pick one, Uh-oh. I would say the most exciting book, and you're going to be talking about it today, making it relevant, mm-hmm. is the book of Leviticus Said no one said ever. No, I was going to say, <laughs> what a way to introduce it. The most but, exciting book. But you're going to make yeah. Leviticus yeah. relevant. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're going to do today. And thank you, Kevin King. It's always good to be to be here with you. And I've enjoyed working with you through the years. I'm looking forward to, to today's uh, program. So, yeah, guys, hang in here with me. I know if you're listening to this, you know, you've just tuned in and, and you've heard me say, we're going to talk about Leviticus today. You're already searching the channel the channels for something else. Don't do that. Don't do that because we're going to make it relevant. That's what this is. A relevant word (laughs) from the word of God with Pastor Carl Gallops. So we're going to make Leviticus relevant. But before we make it personally relevant and and to our day relevant, uh, first we have to just set a little background and we have to explain why it is where it is, why it basically says what it says. And of course, I don't have time today to go through every verse of it, but I'll give you big chunks and categories and some examples so that you'll understand that to most people, most modern readers today, it is an odd book. Some have even said, that's weird. Why is that even in the Bible? And the reason is because it is the third book, Genesis S. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. There's another fun one. We'll do a show on that one day, right, Kevin? Uh, numbers no. and then Deuteronomy. And so, so, uh, today we're talking about Leviticus, but see, that's the, that's the graveyard of all good intentions that people have when they say, you know, this year for my, um, you, you know, f- for my dedication to the Lord, I'm going to read the Bible through starting in Genesis. Yeah. And by the time they get to the third book, they quit. And it's, <laughs> and it's because it seems so outdated. It seems to be so irrelevant to our lives. It seems to have no connection with the New Testament to most people that read it at first. It seems to have no connection to our life. So why take the time to read what appears to be nothing but uh, a piece of ancient history of the ancient Jews and most of it concerned with their with their sacrificial systems uh, in those days, as well as some, some rules for the community. So so what is it all about? Why is it still in the Word of God? Why is it preachable? Is it preachable at all? Is it teachable at all? Does it have any relevance? Well, the answer is yes, 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 and yes. And so that's what we're going to do today. Now, let me just start off with context. First of all, we have to remember that the book of Leviticus, the, the, all of the instructions in it were given at Mount Sinai. 
That's when the children of Israel came out of Egypt after 400 years in slavery inside of the world's superpower where the emperor was worshipped as God by a large portion of the population, where the laws and rules and rituals were stringent and extremely pagan, and the land was filled with all manner of sexual immorality and filth and uncleanliness and and pagan rituals, and here the Hebrews were not even really to be a part of that of that society, even at that level, but yet they were slaves in the midst of all of that. So they were not only sometimes forced to participate in those ways of the culture, but sometimes to facilitate those things as slaves serving their superiors for 400 years. So the point is when God does bring them out of Egypt on Passover night, and brings them to the foot of Mount Sinai, and basically with the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy, um, uh, it, yeah, yeah, I got that right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I don't know why I thought I got it wrong, but no, I was right. Uh, when, when he did give that law, he was setting apart, he was birthing the brand new nation of Israel. Now, folks, think about this. Out of Israel was going to come. See, God had set them aside. He pulled them out of slavery on purpose. That whole picture of them coming out of Egypt is a beautiful picture of the ultimate salvation of in Jesus Christ. It begins with them coming out under the blood of a lamb at Passover. And the and we and I've talked on this before on a previous show or, or on another one of these uh, uh, relevant word shows uh, that um, that the, that the the blood was applied in the shape of a cross over a doorway, and they were told to go through that door way into that house, come under that blood, and then God would pass over his judgment and bring them out, whoever was under the blood of the lamb. So there's a picture right there of Jesus Christ. And then they come to Mount Sinai. The law is given. God is separating them out. Matter of fact, in, in the book of Leviticus, almost in the middle in chapter 11, there's a passage that says, be holy because I am holy. This is why I brought you out to separate you unto myself so that you would be a holy people unto me. And that word holy doesn't mean perfect in that sense. It means separated. Separated from what? From the world, from paganism, from the filth, from the sexual immorality, from the pagan immorality, from uh, perverted worship, from all kinds of dietary regulations and bodily, uh, bodily health regulations that God gave them. Why? Because they were contrary to what God knew about bacteria and viruses and disease, and, and the ancient Egyptians didn't know. So he was going to make sure that his people were different from among the nations. So he gives these rules, rituals, and regulations and laws. Now, remember, they were 3,500 years ago. So in that sense, these rituals, rules, and regulations are not for us word by word in detail in 2022, 2023, 2024, whenever you're listening to this. In, in, in our age, these, these laws are not meant specifically for us. Okay. Why? Well, first of all, all of the worship rituals and laws that are given in the book of Leviticus are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I'm going to prove that to you in the scriptures in a moment. And so all of that was pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll deal with that a little bit later. 
But there were dietary laws. Well, I'm, I'm convinced that if we probably stuck to those dietary laws, we'd probably be a lot healthier overall. However, the New Testament makes it clear that we are free from those dietary laws long as we give thanks to the Lord for what we are eating. And by then, of course, all of those thousands of years later, food was being handled a little bit differently. And in our day, we have refrigeration. We have um, inspection services in, in the first world countries. You know, we have the FDA and we have uh, the we we have uh, regulators and we have people that inspect and and the handling of the food is different. Now we know an awful lot about bacteria and disease and viruses and we have communication processes. If we get a batch of bad food, uh, we can uh, broadcast it to the whole nation or to the whole world if necessary. They had none of that, none of that back then. So when Leviticus says, don't eat, you know, for example, uh, meat from pigs, okay? Well, you know, they probably could have, and it wouldn't have killed everybody. But the thing is, it was such a dangerous meat. They were, you know, they ate unclean things, and they didn't know how to handle it properly. They had no refrigeration or processing. So if you weren't very careful, if anything was handled incorrectly in that particular meat, uh, it could kill you. It could, In fact, disease could run rampant throughout the, the entire nation. So these kinds of things, and I could talk forever and try and back all this up and prove it, and we just don't have right the time right now. But the bottom line is these kinds of laws and rules were given on purpose, for a purpose, to the people 3,500 years ago whom God was separating out from Egypt and from the whole pagan world. So he gives them worship laws and sacrifice laws, all of them pointing to Jesus. He gives them dietary laws. He gives them, listen, he gives them personal cleanliness laws. There are laws about bodily discharge <laughs> and what to do with all of that and how to handle that and how to stay clean. I know that's weird when we're reading the Bible in our day and age and we're thinking, well, gosh, we know this. Why do we, why is this in the Bible? Because they obviously didn't know all of that back in that day and or had lived in a pagan society and culture who didn't handle those things in a way that would prevent disease, bacteria, viruses, germs, disease. I said, disease and death. Uh, so that, that's why God gave it to them. So dietary laws, personal cleanliness laws, you know what else he gave them? Civil laws, that is ways to handle each other civilly, how to respect each other's property, um, various ways that you could uh, take some type of legal action if somebody uh, trespassed across those legal property rights, um, uh, what to do, you know, it was an agricultural society back then. So what to do if somebody stole some of your animals or killed one of your animals? or wounded one of your animals. That's like somebody running into your John Deere tractor or your four-wheel drive pickup if you own a farm and they tear it to pieces, either purposely or accidentally. Well, somebody's got to pay for that. That's your livelihood. Well, back in that day, if you, you know, messed with somebody's ox or their cattle or their sheep or their goats and all of these things, that represented what they were going to eat. That represented their wealth. That represented their livelihood. So God gave them civil laws and the laws were designed to be fair to each other. He gave them criminal laws. Some of them sound a little archaic to us. There were several classes of crimes that God called for the death penalty. A lot of them had to do with sexual immorality. That doesn't mean now under the new covenant and our understanding of how we deal with people in the world that every time we see somebody that sins sexually, we're supposed to put them to death. 
Uh, But even Leviticus allowed for a system of repentance and making things right. The inference was, or the intimation was, that if they do not repent and they insist on living in sexual immorality that can infect the whole nation, he says, then take them outside the camp and issue the death penalty. Uh, That's harsh to us, but you know what? Like God said, I'm turning you into a separate nation. Why? Because through you, I'm bringing the word of God. Through you, I'm bringing the prophets. Through them, I'm bringing the prophecies. Through all of that, I'm bringing all the prophecies of the coming Christ. Through that, I am bringing the Christ. I'm bringing the cross. I'm bringing the resurrection. I'm going to birth the church through this nation. You will be different. And here are the rules and the regulations. So does that make a little bit of sense so far? Now, I've got some really cool stuff, Kevin, when we come back. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing how it relates to us today. Well, it's a relevant word, and I'm really looking forward to the other side. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Welcome back to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And first question for you, Pastor. Yeah. Um, we're, we're talking about the book of Leviticus yes. and how it's relevant to us today. But yeah. Let's start off with what does the word Leviticus actually mean? Yeah, that's a good place to start, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's simply a Latin word, and uh, it was translated that way. Uh, Leviticus, and, and that's how we pronounce it in English, but it simply means of the priests or to the priest or for the priest, if you will. So it was given to the whole nation, but a lot of the rituals, rules, and regulations are directed, directed, uh, completely to the priest, uh, to administrate among the people. So God was saying to them, I'm separating you priests out to make sure all of this is done correctly because every bit of it is extremely important. 3,500 years ago, every piece of it was important to God, and every precept and principle that comes from it is still important to us today. And we'll make the relevancy of all of this in a few moments, but that's a good question. That's what Leviticus means, to the priest or for the priest or of the priest. That makes sense now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, 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 and it does. And so so right before we went to break, I had said that I had a really, really cool thing I wanted to share with you guys, and that is that this book has a ton to do with the person and the ministry and the life and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. That extrapolates right into our lives as believers, since we know it has a lot to do with Jesus and, and I'm going to tell you what in just a moment, in case you're saying, how does the book of Leviticus have anything to do with Jesus? Well, it it's going to sh- blow you away. It's going to shock you when I tell you in just a few moments. So hang in here. Don't go anywhere. But not only does it do that, but it becomes extremely relevant to us in our daily life. And I will show you that in a moment. But not only that, what a lot of people don't know is the book of Leviticus is quoted well over a dozen times in the New Testament. Not only that, but a half dozen times, those quotes come out of the mouth of Jesus himself. 
in the New Testament. They come out of the book of Leviticus. Now, that's interesting. So apparently Jesus thought it was important. And the reason I said well over a dozen, some people might be listening saying, well, why can't you just tell us exactly how many? Go get a concordance. It's extremely difficult to do because we can separate out about a dozen, but the rest of them are crammed into a book called Hebrews. Now, that's an interesting New Testament book. It was written by Hebrew for the Hebrews to the Hebrews to show the Hebrews, that is the Jews of of the New Testament days that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the, watch this, Old Testament worship, sacrificial, and separation laws. He was the complete fulfillment of it. And about 90% of the entire book of Hebrews is written about those things. Let me just give some examples very quickly, and I'm just going to pick and choose from uh, chapter 8 of Hebrews is all about the high priest and the new covenant and Jesus Christ and him fulfilling the the, the duties of the high priest. All of those are outlined in the book of Leviticus, but it goes into great detail. Chapter 9 talks all about the worship and the and the, and the blood sacrifices. In fact, there's a verse in chapter 9, uh, it's verse 23, it says, in fact, it says, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's in Hebrews. That comes right out of Leviticus. And chapter 8 comes out of Leviticus. Chapter 9 of Hebrews comes out of Leviticus. Chapter 10 of Hebrews comes out of Leviticus. Chapter 4 comes out of Leviticus talking about Jesus is our Sabbath and our Sabbath rest, and he basically it, it, it's spelling out he how he fulfills all the feasts of the Lord. By the way, the seven feasts of the Lord are given to us in Leviticus. The seven feasts of the Lord, as I have taught before and will continue to teach through this programming, they are the backbone and the skeleton of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. By the time we get to the New Testament, the first four feasts, Passover, Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of Firstfruits, Pentecost, cost, we see those fulfilled right before our eyes in the person of Jesus Christ and in the birth of the church. The Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and uh, and and uh, Tabernacles are fulfilled in the book of Revelation. I teach this and preach this all the time. I've done it on some relevant word shows. So all seven feasts are fulfilled in the New Testament, specifically in the life, uh, ministry of Jesus Christ, in the second coming of Jesus, in the birth of the church, and those are first spoken of in Leviticus. So you've got the book of Leviticus is thick throughout the Bible. It's just most people don't realize what they're reading. They don't understand when Jesus is telling the Pharisees, he's telling them off and quoting the law. Well, you say this, but the law says this. He's quoting from Leviticus. Uh, As I just said, the book of Hebrews, it's all about Leviticus and how Jesus has fulfilled it. So when you go back to the beginning of Leviticus, you discover the first seven chapters of Leviticus encompass what are called the five sacrifices, the sacrificial system that God gave to the Jews at Mount Sinai. Three of them are what are called fellowship sacrifices. And that is, there was the feast of the, uh, excuse me, the, the sacrifice of the burnt offering. Uh, there was the sacrifice of the, of the grain offering. There was the sacrifice of the peace offering. All right. Those are to establish and to maintain just our fellowship with God, but who is holy, who is separate, who had not yet come in the flesh, who had not yet delivered himself to the cross, who had not yet risen from the dead, who had not yet birthed the church, who had not yet given the Holy Spirit. All of that would come a thousand years later. But first, God was establishing this system, and every one of those fellowship offerings required something that was costly to do. 
to give up the first fruits of your uh, of your fields or to give up the first fruits of your grain or the first fruits of your animals uh the burnt offerings you bring the offering and it's burnt up on the altar i i sometimes tell the church that i pastor that 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 bringing our tithes and our offering especially during the middle of a worship service is similar to that i tell people all the time we bring our tithes we bring our offerings we put in the offering plate we trust it into the hands of the people in our church that administrate that but ultimately we trust it into the hands of the lord and I often express, Lord, I, I, I burn this up before you. In other words, I let go of the check or however I do it, and I don't want it back. It's burnt up. It's as though it, I don't have it anymore. Well, there wasn't. And why is that? Because I'm telling God, I trust you. I know that with that money, I could have bought food, clothing, could have paid some bills, but I know that you're going to take care of all of that. And so I burn it up on the altar. You use it for your glory. Does God need our money? Does he need our checks? Does he need our pieces of paper with dead president's pictures on it? No. He knows that we need to let go of earthly things, burn them up before him. And what we're saying is, my heavenly father, I trust you. I love you. My heavenly daddy, I burn this up in your presence because it belongs to you. You know, he doesn't need it, but he knows that we need to establish that connection with him. Then guess what he does? Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't bless you so much that you can't even count it. That's where that hymn comes from. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. These were the purposes of the fellowship offerings. The last two of the five offerings were what we call the sin offerings. There was the sin offering and the next one was called the trespass offering, if you will, or the guilt offering. Those were offerings that were made uh, in case we discovered that we had crossed some line of egregious sin, but we didn't really know it or we didn't understand it in full. How do we get right with God? We bring a trespass offering. Okay, We went somewhere where we shouldn't have gone. We trespassed. But, but, but I didn't know. I didn't see the property marker. It's okay. Just make it right. So there was a ritual that you made it right. It required the shedding of blood from animals, from your stock, okay? The sin offering, that was to for, for forgiveness of sin that you knew was sin. And for whatever reason, you stepped it into it anyway, or you were tempted, or you were dragged into it by the evil one, whatever, your own flesh, your own temptations, whatever. And you want to get right with God because your conscience is eating you up. You know you were wrong. What do you do? There was a whole ritual prescribed that required the shedding of blood. That's why Hebrew said, without the shedding of blood, there is no sin. Kevin, a lot of of, uh, theologians call the book of Leviticus a, ble- a very bloody book. Mm-hmm. And, and they're kind of being tongue-in-cheek and funny, but it's true. But the reason was the lesson all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and brought all of this mess that we're living in right now, the world is coming down around our ears because we live in a fallen creation. And that's the whole message of the Bible. Jesus Christ has made it right. He is going to restore it. But in the meantime, to make it right, it required the shedding of blood. Why? Because in the Garden of Eden, when when Adam and Eve did whatever it was, and I've written a book called Gods of Ground Zero, and I go deep into the theology of more than likely what happened and why everything happened the way it did. But the bottom line is, when all that happened, Adam and Eve, the first thing they were conscious of is their nakedness. And God, it says, slew an animal and made skins for them. Now think about this. You can read that sentence and just keep going, but think about it. Adam and Eve, they named the animals. There was no sin. You could take a lion and lay down and take a nap with him. He wouldn't eat you. 
and he knew you wouldn't hurt him. Everything was at peace. Everything was lovely until sin began to corrupt everything. These animals were very precious to Adam and Eve. They named them. They knew them. They were pets. And God slew one of them. I think probably a lamb. We don't know. doesn't say what it was. But then he made them wear the skins. <laughs> so they were always right. Can you imagine wearing the skin of your pet? And watching your pet be be slain before you because of something evil you did, and that that was the requirement for it, and then you had to wear his skin the rest of your life? Can you imagine? This is what happens. See, a lot of people forget this. We turn the Garden of Eden into a children's bedtime story. No, it's about what's wrong with this world. Leviticus starts the process with God's people whom he separated out with making all of that right. All five of those sacrifices are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I've done a lot of teaching and preaching. I may do a relevant word show it on one day to show how they're all fulfilled. But the book of Hebrews says that. It tells us all of them were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Then we come to Leviticus 23, and guess what God gives in chapter 23? He gives the seven feasts of the Lord. Passover, unleavened bread, feast of first fruits, Pentecost, feast of trumpets, feast of atonement, the feast of tabernacles. All of those are about Jesus. They're all through the New Testament right into the book of Revelation. So guess what the book of Leviticus is relevant in our life right now, Kevin? It is that we are now the priests of God. And the Bible says that. The book of Revelation says that. Jesus is the high priest. We are the priests that now serve under him to take the message of Jesus Christ to the world and to tell people. People, to call people to him and say to them, be holy because God is holy. Be separate from this world, which is like Egypt, because God is separate. And he has paid by blood a very bloody sacrifice to redeem you from your sin. Now get out there and act like it and live your life like it. You are a priest of the Most High God. The book of Leviticus is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and even in our lives, Kevin. Leviticus, relevant to us today. Thank you, Pastor Carl. Oh, my pleasure, like you've never heard it before. So thank you, folks, for listening today. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Now more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week, Pastor Gallups shares what the Word of God is saying, even now, a relevant word, with longtime pastor and best-selling author Carl Gallups. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Thanks for listening.